Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. Hey, good morning, church. How are you doing this morning? Let's be honest, it's freezing, isn't it? You know, when you begin to fail in the prophetic and word of knowledge a little bit, um, where the last few Sundays I've come to church with multiple layers of clothing and have been overly warm. And so this morning, being the spiritual man of faith that I am, as I got dressed and I surveyed all my many warm jackets and thermals and things in my wardrobe, I thought to myself, the last few weeks it has been super warm. I'm going to dress really lightly this morning. I'm not even going to take a, you know, an additional layer just in case. And I am, I'm quite chilly um, this morning. So hopefully God speaks this morning because so far I've, I've got it all wrong this morning, but that's okay. So my apologies for the lack of warmth. Um, we have had a few heater issues this morning, but the team have been working well on that, trying to get it uh, warmer. So it is cold, but it was colder. Uh, this morning. So if you're cold, reposition your attitude to gratitude, please. It's getting better. (laughs) Hey, my name's Jared, and it's great to be speaking this morning. Josh, uh, my older brother, who is um, lead pastor here with his wife Liz, they're away on holiday in Hamlet Springs at the moment. And so I get to speak this morning. Give us a wave if you were here last Sunday or uh, if you're watching online. And good morning to everybody online as well. Great. So we had quite a few people here uh, last week. I'm going to do a week recap a little bit on last week. Um, then we're going to get into the word. But uh, I just want to touch base on a couple of things actually going on for my personal life. Give a few updates and announcements um, because I'm away next Sunday speaking in another church and then couple weeks after that, I'm heading overseas for about two months. And so I want to give everybody a little bit of a heads up as to where I will be and what I'm doing. Um, Also, Josh said to recap, last week I touched on a new television series I'm producing at Fantail Studios called Demons in the Doorway, Um, a series on the fact that the demonic loves to stand in the doorway between us and our identity, us and our calling, us and our mandates, and we're producing a television series, uh, Demystifying Deliverance, following Brent Douglas, Mike Connell, Norm McLeod, and Wes Chambers around the country as they see people set free from the demonic realm, set free from curses, and stepping into their freedom and identity. We had a lot of people take away booklets on the series because we're raising the finances for that. If you took one of those booklets and you're praying into it, that is awesome. If you took one and you meant to pray into it and you forgot, this is a nice reminder. You should pray into that. And if Jesus says, don't give this guy a cent, then God bless. It is just an invitation. No expectation. It's just a friendly reminder because it can get pretty busy. We can easily forget. So uh, on the 12th of July... I'm going to be jet-setting around the world. I will be leaving my wife and three amazing children behind. The longest I've ever been away from my family is 17 days. Uh, This coming trip is going to be about seven and a half weeks almost. Um, And so when I chatted to Rowena about this and we weighed up the pros and cons, classic Rowena said, that just sounds like a great adventure for you. 
Um, I said, will you be okay? She said, oh, I'll be fine. My main concern is that you get a bit useless um, when you miss me, and I don't know how you'll go preaching in America and filming in Kenya when you get so homesick, because you can be a little bit useless, um, and you're very emotional. So I'm more concerned for you, but the kids and I will be fine. Uh, I remember when I went to India years ago for a couple weeks, and I came back, and I said, did you miss me? Because, you know, you go away if you travel, and the family left behind you know, like, Rowena has to do twice as much work, and so she often says, I'm too busy to miss you. I'm just trying to hold down the fort. And I remember when I came back from India, and I said, did you miss me? And she said, no, I didn't miss you, but it was definitely my preference that you returned. <laughs> mm. So I'm like, so you, you're saying that you're pleased that I didn't die, and I came back. She's so like, yeah, that's, well, it's not, you know, pretty much. So... But I'm, I'm sure that seven and a half weeks will be quite different. And so I leave on the 12th of July, and I'd love to have, I'd love to have Activate praying for my family and for me while I'm away. Um, and the reason that I, I am going is I'm doing five weeks in America. It will be a Fantail Media Ministry Tour. I'm traveling America with an apostle over there. I'll be doing California, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, I think Texas, and then finishing in New York. And then I'll fly from New York to Kenya. Um, Josh will have arrived in Kenya the day before me with my Fantail crew. We'll do two weeks filming with Derek Prince Ministries across Kenya, um, visiting orphanages, hospitals, prisons, towns and villages, seeing what the Word of God is doing as it's outworked in those environments. And also we'll be filming some deliverance because I told the guys uh, from Derek Prince Ministries over in Africa that I wanted to film some deliverance. And they said, oh, Brother, we'll show you how we do it in Africa. I said, how do you do it in Africa? He goes, it's easy. We just put on a 30-minute deliverance service, and then we do it. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, that'll be interesting. Um, and so the reason why I'm doing the America tour is, if you, if you haven't heard, God began. Remember last year we did all the prayer and fasting as a church? Uh, well, Rainer and I had actually just done a bunch of prayer and fasting, and then the church one started a week after we finished, so we did another one. And then throughout that season of prayer and fasting, God spoke to us and said that he wanted us to move to the States and expand the Fantail ministry over there and plant a campus over in America. We feel like God's highlighted Atlanta to us. And so at some point in the near future, we're going to be pioneering a new team in Atlanta, and we're going to be building a supernatural online film school, training and raising up a generation of Holy Spirit-led filmmakers. And what is really on my heart um, as a leader with Jesus is not to plant churches, but to plant studios. And that we would create an environment and a training school that would plant studios in every major culture around the world so that we have Holy Spirit-led films being produced in every culture and every language group on the planet. Um, and so that's, that's a part of this. And so I got an invitation to go over to the States. I didn't know how long for. I was walking down the beach talking with Jesus. And I said, God, you know my deal? I'll, I'll do two weeks away from my family at a time. And he said, oh, that's interesting. What if I need it to be four weeks? I said, well, it'll be two weeks. He said, yeah, but what if I need four? And I said, okay, well, if you need me in America for four weeks, I'm open to that. I went back to the organization that was inviting me to come do a tour with them. I said, look, I'm interested to come. How long do you want me? And they said, it has to be a minimum four weeks. And I said, oh, okay then. And, um, and so 
that's a little bit of a launching pad of, of what we're doing and would love to have the church praying for Anna and the kids while I'm away. So if you mark it down in your calendars, 12th of July, I fly out and I return to New Zealand on the 2nd of September. Just so happens to be that I seem to be missing most of winter. Um, so suffering for Jesus in, in America and Africa. Um, it, currently, it's about 43 degrees Celsius in Atlanta at the moment. So I'll be swapping this for the mid-40s. And apparently the humidity is so high at the moment that you can taste the sweat of the person standing next to you just by breathing. (laughs) Anyway, so let's get into the Word this morning. So last week, Joshua sharing from Acts chapter 4, as we're doing our series through Acts, and this amazing story where, who can tell me the names of the two people that featured in this story? It's not a trick question. Peter and... Peter and, I'll give you a hint, it's not Jesus. <laughs> Peter and John, here we go, Peter and John. Peter and John are going about, they see a man that has been paralyzed for a phenomenally long time. They bring supernatural healing to him through the power of Jesus Christ. A crowd begins to gather, and a quote from Joshua's message last week, Peter never misses an opportunity when there's a good crowd, to be able to bring the Word. So he preaches the Word of God boldly. People begin getting saved. The religious leaders who crucified Jesus hear about it. They get Peter and John and go, what are you doing? You're making us look bad. You keep telling people that we're the ones that killed Jesus, and now you're telling people that Jesus came back to life. Well, the first part of the story is accurate. We did kill Jesus because he was a heretic. But stop going around telling everybody that he came back to life because that makes us look incompetent. You know, we can't even keep a dead man dead. And not only that, now not only saying that he's alive, but he's ascended to heaven as the righteous son of God and by his name you're performing miracles. Stop performing miracles by the name of the dead guy. You're making us look stupid. And then they, they put them in prison for the night. They get them out in the morning. They do a court hearing and they say, look, Stop doing this. It's naughty. Stop being naughty. We put you in timeout. Do it again. Put you in timeout again. And Peter and John said, well, you, you tell us. Who, you know, leaders of the land. Who should we obey? Should we obey you? Or should we obey Jesus? Uh, far be it for us to disobey God. Say what you want. Threaten us with as many timeouts as you like. We cannot help but proclaim the name of Jesus. And said so they spoke to them boldly, and this is the point that Joshua really camped around last week, was that the religious leaders could see that these were, remember the word, idiotis. They were idiots. Um, for some reason, the high priest was Italian. They said, they were idiots. Mamma mia. They're ordinary, unskilled men, but we can tell they have been with Jesus. And they could not figure out what to do with them because the man who had been paralyzed was standing before them and everybody knew it. The proof was undeniable. And so I am picking up now from where this story left off last week. And we're going to kick into 
Acts chapter 4, verse 23. This is awesome. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they're going back to the early church, going back to maybe the thousands of believers that have been getting saved over the last few weeks. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Then quoting that scripture, why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord, against the anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to, to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. Have you ever had a moment, either with your child or when you were younger with a friend, when you're doing something a little bit reckless, like making a homemade go-kart and pushing it down a hill. Have you ever seen something like this in a film and there's the one kid who screams out of control down the hill, totally wipes out, and all the friends are like, oh no, like don't tell mom, blah, 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 and he's gonna be crying, and the kid gets up and it's been total carnage, gets up and goes, that was amazing! Let's do that again! When I was younger, I was on a roller coaster called the Boomerang. And uh, this was in the States, so I was about nine years old. And it was a quiet day at the theme park, which meant that you could go on a ride, and it was called a double day. And you didn't have to get off the ride and queue up again if you didn't want to. You could stay on for a whole nother ride. And this was my first time on a roller coaster as a nine-year-old. The bars came down and did the click, 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 click up to the top as they do. And then it did the loop, the loops. And it was the most horrific experience of my life. I hated it. I was terrified. All the colour drained from my body. Um, it's amazing that I'm still alive because I lost about 120 years of, uh, of my life. And that's why, I'm, that's why I, got, I went grey then, probably. Um, and then... It comes in, and I was so terrified, I couldn't get out of the roller coaster. I was just shaking, and I couldn't speak. And so when they come around, they go, do you want to hop out? Do you want to say, I just, like this. And so they just left me in it, and it went again. (laughs) That is what I would probably be like if I was Peter or John or the early church at this point. We just see God do something awesome, but then we get thrown into prison. And I'm like, oh, this was not what I was expecting. 
we just did something awesome. I just had this awesome high moment. I can be a little bit like this emotionally. That's why I married Rowena, who's just like. <laughs> but you imagine if, if we were, let's place ourselves in this story, okay? Do an amazing miracle, then preach the gospel in our own town and then see all these people getting saved, absolute cloud nine moment. And then we get thrown into prison. And then we get told, don't you ever do this again. And you're lucky that we're going to let you go. And then you go back and you tell your church family about the persecution and what happened. See, for me, I'd be in that roller coaster moment of colors almost fell off there. Look at that. Oh no, what a big fall. <laughs> ACC, we should have this taped out. Um, Osh work safety placement. It was too cold. Um, I find their response to be amazing. I find the early church's attitude and perspective incredible in this space because it's actually really countercultural from a large aspect of our culture as a church in the West at the moment. See, what we have here is some of their first experience of a church of being marginalized, victimized, and discriminated against. And their attitude seems to be, whoa, this is amazing. Let's do it again. They're not sitting there shaking with the color draining from their face. And then what I would expect to be or really common to roll out in this scenario, and this is the interesting thought and challenge that I want to bring, is they are not complaining about the injustice. How easy would it have been for the injustice to become their focus? And as that injustice becomes their, their focus, how easy would it have been to miss out on the generosity that God had set in place for them? So we live in this really interesting season, and I'm never quite sure how much of the conversation around our political climate as a country around where the church is heading in the West, around nationalism versus one world government versus the popularity of being a Christian or rather the impopularity of it when compared to other religious beliefs. I'm never sure how much of this is accurate or how much of it is hysteria and complaining. But regardless, for them it was 100% accurate. But yet, there's not a complaint rising in them towards the world around them about the injustice, but rather they have an attitude and a recognition that even if the kings of the earth conspire against God, they conspire in vain. It's like, I want to read this out again. I've got it here and here. Whoa, prepared. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. But they preface this, why do the nations and the people plot in vain? Have you ever heard that, that quote, your attitude determines your altitude? Remember that one? 
My youth pastor used to say that to me all the time. When I was like 15, 16, there were a few phrases that he would say to me. Jared, your attitude determines your altitude. Over and over. The other one, which was more common, much more popular and widely used, was Jared. Engage brain, then open mouth. (laughs) That was said to me so often. The other one that was said was that um, people were suffering from a J-O-D, which was a Jared overdose. (laughs) And my youth pastors and leaders would say that to me all the time. Just, just give me space. I'm having a J-O-D, okay? We've been on camp for four days. This is a lot. Yeah. But our, our attitude has such a huge part to play in this, or rather what it is that we choose to put our focus on and the, the deeper truth. Because they would have been totally justified and accurate to camp around a sense of complaining and feeling marginalized, victimized, and all of those things, and to have a woe is us attitude or a bitterness attitude. A bitterness attitude against those around them. I gotta tell you, from my perspective, Holy Spirit is not attracted to a victim attitude or a bitterness attitude. That they're not conducive to the moves of God in our life. They're so restrictive. They're like barriers and walls. Bitterness and a victimist mentality uh, for my own life deeply inhibit my ability to hear or receive what God is saying. It's like they totally change the frequency um, of the spirit man within me. Because God only speaks overcomer because he is overcome. And so that is the accent and the language of heaven. But when we don't stand under that truth and we shift over to a victim mentality or a, or, or a bitterness mentality, we're actually beginning to live under the flesh. And so then we can't expect to hear and receive the anointing of God and the presence of God and the power of God and the insight of God because we're living under a flesh mindset rather than a spirit mindset. And so for us to be able to move in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to continually choose to step out of uh, our opportunities of complaint, our opportunity to feel sorry for ourselves, our opportunity to feel doubt and fear and all of those things. And we have to choose to step out of that flesh which has been crucified in Christ, no longer lives, no longer has the authority to hold us, us captive there. See, before Christ, it had authority to keep us prisoner. But it no longer has that authority. So we are empowered through the sovereignty of God, like Adam and Eve were, to be able to make a conscious choice. Will I live under the flesh mentality of being a victim, of being oppressed, or being bitter? Or will I choose to live under the Spirit, which says I am... I am overcome by the blood of Christ and the word of my testimony. And so the church have got this phenomenal opportunity and Peter and John run back to them and they tell them everything that they've done. And so I love, I love a few things that we can learn from this. The first thing that they do is that they pray. Oh, how, how awesome is that? They're experiencing this for the first time. You know, they've seen it happen to Jesus. And I remember Josh saying this last week, how bold it is for them to have just seen their leader crucified and then to be challenging 
the people that crucified him. So what are they expecting? I, I think from their mindset that death is a very likely, plausible outcome that they've accepted. They've accepted the fact that life was not certain and that this could happen to them at any moment. So when they get arrested after God is doing these things, this is like, oh, okay, this is our persecution moment. This is the first time we're experiencing this without Jesus with us in the flesh. What should we do? No one comes up with any good logical ideas or a plan or, or earthly wisdom. They just go, let's pray. And then they begin to pray out of the Word of God, which says, why do the nations conspire and plot in vain? And, and they have this revelation about how powerless the schemes of the enemy are. That even when they crucified Christ, they only did that because the power and will of God had predestined it. So they go, the nations conspire in vain against the will of God. And even if they do anything against God, it is only because he predestined it. And even in their triumph, they are simply pawns in God's chess game of seeing his kingdom come. And I love this is what they are praying for in 29. Lord, consider their threats. So they're not trying to be living in denial. They are just realizing that this is not their responsibility. That it's the Father's. Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants enable us to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. They choose to not camp in bitterness or victimization. They place the power of the earth and the power of heaven in their proper order. That God is in charge of all things. They put things back into proper alignment and then they say, God, let's do it again. Peter and John spoke with boldness and did great miracles and they got thrown into prison. God, would you give us all that boldness so that we can do that too? God, let's do it again. And then I love this. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So what is it about this story that I, is so fascinating is, is the linear series of events and also how quickly the generosity of God responds to answering their prayer. How attractive must this be to the flowing and the freedom of the Holy Spirit that they would pray, God, help us speak boldly. And then the room physically shakes and they're empowered to speak boldly. And then they go out and they do boldly. It seems to be almost instantaneous. I don't think that we need to go too deep here in this other than to maybe take a little bit of time and maybe have some conversations or something together um, this morning going, what, what are the areas in our life that we need to bring back into holy alignment? What are the areas in our own hearts where we might be living under the flesh mindset? 
What are the challenges and circumstances that or fears that are holding us captive because we've actually had a level of our mindset living under a place of being oppressed or feeling a victim or feeling bitter that we actually need to ask Jesus' forgiveness for and, and then come into that alignment of having things in their proper heavenly perspective that even if the nations and the kings of the world were to plot together against the demise of Christ and his church, they would be plotting in vain. That we would be able to have an authentic rising up in us. Holy Spirit, give us your power so that we could do it again. So what I'd love us to do is let's just take, let's just take five minutes and Let's pray for each other in some groups. Let's pray for each other that throughout this week and this morning, the Holy Spirit would begin to reveal to us the areas within our hearts and our minds that He wants to realign. So that as we pursue the Holy Spirit, that we would be in that place that His Spirit can so freely pour into because we've created ourselves to be so open that we've moved out from a flesh mindset into a spirit mindset. I often think about the blessing and the presence of God like this, that it's flowing. And in my mind, it makes sense. Like there's this drain pipe. And I know that there's an open heaven and all those things, but just just go with me on this. Like a, a total downflow. But I'm a, I'm a piece of the pipe. And if my section of the pipe is just hanging randomly over here, not in alignment with the Word and the will of God, and it's flowing here, then I'm just missing it. I don't need to convince God to flow. I just need to move myself to click into my proper place in His kingdom to be in His flow. I don't need more of Holy Spirit. I need to be where He's flowing. I don't need to say, Holy Spirit, would you put your breath of life on me? I just need to move where He's breathing. I don't need, God, would you speak to me? I need to be able to get all the junk out of my ears. My need for control, my false responsibility, my, my, my fear and anxiety. I need to get those things to be quiet by actually surrendering my will and my way like I believe that the apostles would have done was if this ends in me being dead I've accepted these outcomes Christ I just want you would you give me your boldness I believe that through these these elements of, of what they were doing in their responses that they were placing themselves directly under the flow of Holy Spirit so that when they said, Holy Spirit, would you empower us to speak boldly? And would you bless us that when we declare the name of Jesus Christ, your servant, there would be miraculous signs and wonders. Holy Spirit hasn't changed since that day. His eagerness hasn't lessened 
since that day. The name of Jesus Christ hasn't lost an ounce of authority and power since that day. It is still the name above every name. The only thing that's changed in that story to now is us. We're the only thing that's changed, which means that we are empowered to shift into that mindset and that lifestyle and that level of surrender. That means that the invitation from Christ is there for us to follow that example. So let's, in our rows, just in the rows that you're in, let's pray for one another. The Holy Spirit will reveal to us where it is that we need fresh revelation what it is that we need to lay down and surrender. How and what do we need to do so that we can be in the flow like the early church was? Awesome. Let's do that. Ben would just be amazing. Um, I'm going to jump down, join with these guys. If you're watching online, have a conversation at home. Um, If you don't have anybody in your house with you, Ask Jesus or message somebody, give somebody else a call. And we'll do this for three to five minutes and then Steve will jump up and wrap up the service. Awesome.